Now, we are joined by another Cullum. It's the local historian and author Cullum Liddy. Uh, towards the end of last year, Cullum brought us through the life of Brian Brew and his rise to power up to the point where he had effectively united the country. And Cullum is here to detail the thrilling and unfortunately for Brian Brew, sad conclusion uh, to his story. Uh, good morning to you, sir, and a happy new year. Good morning. Uh, yeah, it's been a, a great Christmas and I'm looking forward to a new year of um, <laughs> regaling you with tales of our past. Lovely stuff. Well, look, we you, you took us through, I suppose, Brian Brew's early life, his rise to uh, to power. And I suppose we're at the point now where you, you, know, you hear all these arguments about United Ireland and if there's arguments between people in the South or with Unionists or Loyalists uh, in the North or Republicans and arguing with them about a United Country and one of the arguments that's thrown back uh, at Republicans and Nationalists is we've never had United Ireland. The only time it was <laughs> we had United Ireland was under someone like Brian Baru and we're going back near a millennia at that stage. Yeah, it was a happy time. Go back 100 and, I said, what, 15 years or so, or sorry, 1,000 and 15 years. And um, this is the moment you know, having previously just been a lot of warring factions, that this guy actually united it. There had, of course, been a few high kings throughout the centuries, but it was only a, a title, you know. Um, there was nobody before him who yeah. could make something happen in Kerry and also in Donegal. You know, nobody else had that power. So for a decade, we have a united Ireland. It's peaceful. It's a great time of rebuilding um, bridges and, and whatnot around the country, churches. And um, it's bizarre to think, but Killaloo was the capital of Ireland for that amazing <laughs> 12 years. Um, and not only that, but a, a thing that was so important actually was taxation. The Baru part of his name effectively means tribute or tax. Yeah. And tax is actually hugely important to creating a country because if people are left to their own devices, they just have enough food, enough food for what they need for their tribe. Tax makes you try harder. You have to come up with an extra 20%. So it actually drives innovation. And just north of Killaloo now, there's this ring fort still left there called Bailbrew. That effectively was the main tax office of Ireland at that moment. All of the, the tributes that were coming in from the different provinces and like you, you see lists of what they requested. They wanted things like um, cauldrons, a hundred cauldrons made of copper that are five fists deep. Five fists <laughs> deep. <laughs> they, they want bedclothes, you know, bedclothes for 200 beds is on the list of things that you must supply from Connacht, you know. Or bizarrely, they wanted... 200 cows with red ears. Why Why red ears? Well, I, I just what don't know. But I, well, look, they're better than, than black-eared ones, I guess. Okay. You know? so, so that's the brief, beautiful moment of this United Ireland. But of course, it only lasted 12 years. OK, and uh, wh why did it only last 12 years? When did... Uh, grumbling in the background and some of the populace begin to say, you know what, this Brian Brew fella, he's not all that. No, um, I suppose it goes back to the current big rivalry in Ireland, you might say the biggest is Munster v Leinster. Well, thus it was a thousand years ago also. Um, the Leinster boys kind of always saw themselves as superior, aristocratic against these uncouth savages from the south who were upstarts and didn't really deserve to be you know, have the high kingship. And then on top of that, the particular leader of Leinster was a guy called Male Murda. And he had been humiliated in battle by Brian Brew and the Clare boys. Um, when he and with a bunch of Vikings attempted to take on the Dalgash, they were defeated. But at the end of the battle, he was found hiding up a tree. So the Clare boys just laughed at him. They didn't even kill him, you know. So he had that. And then finally, at this period um, where Brian Brew requested as a particular tax from Leinster was three 
masts for his ships, three really large masts, so effectively three trees. So the Leinster boys had to carry these trees, they're kind of they're three of the biggest that they could find and they carried them overland all the way down to Killaloo. And when he got down there um, that night he found um, Brian's eldest and most dynamic son, Murrah, was playing chess. And our guy comes in, the Leinster King, and gives him some advice on what move he should make in this chess game. But it's bad advice and he loses the game. So Murrah turns to him and says... That advice now that you gave me, that's much like the advice you gave to the Vikings <laughs> in your battle against us. Ouch. <laughs> and your man, you know, goes, well, I'll tell you what now, buddy. I'm going to give the Vikings some better advice this time and we'll see how it'll play out. So it was like, over that, over that chess game, this is war now. That was the final straw, you know, this humiliation. And he, he beats a tre- retreat back to Leinster to get himself and he's going to have to ally with the Vikings to try and defeat Brian Brew for once and for all. It's amazing how, uh, I suppose, you know, uh, acorns such as those kind of incidents turn into the massive oak trees of what is now going to unfold. So all over bad advice in a game of chess. So how do things build up from there? And uh, in Leinster, this alliance with the Vikings happens and for Brian Baru uh, to to not be aware, was he aware of of this incident, or was it just so trivial that? Oh no, he was g- immediately aware because your man. Um, they sent uh, a, a messenger after him saying, "Oh, please, please, don't be insulted." <laughs> and um, so he, they did try to yeah, kind of placate him. Brian Baru was quite diplomatic, but um, your man just simply um, attacked the messenger and split his head open. So it was like. There was no going back from this. God, this was a to Don't shoot the messenger. Don't split their head open either. <laughs> so it takes almost a year for the sides to assemble. But what you ultimately will have is a battle just on the north side. Dublin is much smaller, of course. It's really just Dublin City, a core in around where Trinity College or down towards the Brazen Head now. Um, and on the north side, you suddenly have on, you've got basically got Munster and a little bit of South Connacht who are, you know, Brian Bruce forces. Mm. Clare, of course, most of the warriors right at the centre are the Dalgash, the Clare warriors. And against them you have all of Leinster and the Vikings of Dublin, who, you know, Dublin is their state, and foreign Vikings. Vikings that come down from kind of Scotland and the islands above them all the way to Scandinavia. All of those Vikings show up. And in particular, um, the... The, there's omens the night before. There's two of the of the new Vikings that are called Broder and um, Sigurd. They those are the two main ones. But um, on the night before, Brian actually is the first one. He feels an omen, and um, a banshee appears to him, foretelling his death. Meanwhile, as for the Vikings, as they are arriving in their ships for the showdown, um, they get rained upon by boiling blood. Not a good omen, they feel. <laughs> no. <laughs> and then one of the guys, it's, his name is Sigurd, apparently it later uh, is revealed that a doppelganger of his appeared back in Scandinavia. Uh, you know, a spooky, exact replica of him. And the people who went to him were never seen again. So, yeah, okay. a, it's building up to something <laughs> of the crunch. And of course, the date is more or less set by just the way things are going. It will be Good Friday, 1014, the battle begins. Okay, so uh, 1014, Good Friday, uh, the army's a mass? Um, it begins at dawn. Um, I say the area, the Munster boys are camped around what is now Phibsborough. And the Vikings are coming from Clontarf area. 
they meet more or less more closer to Fairview, you would say now at this stage. But um, that's how they, they set up. And it begins at dawn around, they reckon, 12,000 men, 6,000 on each side. I mean, I suppose they simply didn't have the numbers that we would now consider a massive battle where you might have multiples of that. This was still big. It was it was comparable in size, I suppose, to the next big battle of history is the Battle of Hastings has about similar numbers, you know, over in England. But so 12,000 men, um, they, it kicks off with the champion from each side going out to man-to-man combat to see just how will that play out if they send out one guy from each and it's a draw, they kill each other. <laughs> <laughs> so they have at it. Um, by far the star of the whole show is um, the guy who had been playing chess, Morrow. Brian's eldest son and an absolute dynamic warrior. I mean, to hear him and what he did in the battle, it's like Achilles, Hector, Cucullin, Hercules, all into one. And is there a touch, Colm, of the, the myth having been uh, inflated it, around Morris perhaps, since then? Perhaps, or? because we, we hear that this fellow, he carried a sword at times in both hands. He's killing Vikings to the left, to the right. I mean, certainly hundreds he killed. At one stage, <laughs> allegedly, he's swinging his sword so much, so much, that the hilt starts to melt in his hand. <laughs> <laughs> and he has to throw away that sword because it's me- it's literally burning his hand yeah. and he picks up a new sword and um, keeps going and eventually he takes on the biggest baddest Viking of them all wins through gets to him and they grapple in the muck and he gets your man's sword and sticks it into him and that's fantastic except of course the Viking has another little dagger <laughs> doesn't he he pulls it out and sticks it in our guy so now they're they're both dead you know Oh dear. <laughs> yeah. But meanwhile, overall, um, as I say, massive confrontation and they, it takes all day. The tide starts being in and then it goes out and then it's in again. And finally, it becomes apparent the Irish are winning. Um, that, well, there's Irish on both sides, but the Munster men are winning. And um, the Vikings begin to retreat. And their only way of retreat is to try to run into the sea, the, the river, Livhe, to try and get back to their boats. But it's, the, the tide is in. It's very difficult. Most of them drown. Um, so it's victory for Ireland. However, one of the Vikings, Broder, one of the leaders, tries to sneak away. And as he does... He comes, Brian himself was 73 at the time, so not a participant. He was in his tent praying and this Viking just by chance comes across him as he tried to escape and he kills him with his battle axe. I'd say he couldn't believe his luck. <laughs> he couldn't. <laughs> couldn't believe his luck. <laughs> so victory, but at a terrible cost. The death of Brian Brew was tragic, but possibly worse was the death of Morrow because Brian was going to die anyway. He was 73. But what was needed was somebody to carry Successor. it on. Carry on the United Ireland project and keep it going at least for a few generations till it would stick. But instead, you just were left with a ragbag bunch of fellas who, as they attempted to go home to Clare and to Munster, were actually attacked by some other Leinster boys who thought, look at the state of them, it'll be no problem. Kick them while they're down. So, uh, you know, they, they, it was just ridiculous as they tried to get home. People were harrying them all the way. And um, they eventually did get back to Clare. But now, they were no, never mind not being the High Kings of Ireland anymore, but it became clear that even Munster was no longer loyal to them. In fact, any from then on, they would only be the kings of Thomond, where they had started out again. And since there was no line of succession, the brothers, the other brothers, 
started to be Tig got the job but then his brother killed him and then another brother killed him you know it was just and the blood was supposed to be thicker than water no it was a, it was all about <laughs> trying to get power it was it was, a, it was a Game of Thrones type situation and it was just anarchy it was just assassinations no more there was a high king elected from Ulster but like again he had no real power outside of his own domain and indeed Killaloo which had been the capital was now burned by the men from Connacht came down and beat us up while we were um, you know weakened so Killaloo was burned to the ground rebuilt and burnt down again Um, where was this Killaloo exactly I mean it's of course where Killaloo is now but they reckon up at the height of the of the town where the church is that's closest enough to the exact spot of it so that was that was the sad end of that, yeah. Well, so what would you say um, Brian Brew's legacy was, other than, as I say, even to this day, hearing that line that, oh, Ireland was only ever united under Brian Brew. Is there more, more to his legacy than that? Well, I mean, dates in history, first of all, I think it's surely, we'll say, outside of 1916, easily the most famous date in Irish history. 1014 is probably the next famous that people mm. might be able to quote. Um it should be said that just two years later, after this, in 1016, um, the English had a, had a Viking king. Um, you know, it's just another those areas they like to gloss over. But for the next um, few generations, England was had Viking kings. Um, Canute, you know, you've heard of Viking him. Canute, he had a little yeah. bit of a struggle with the tide. He did. <laughs> just a little bit. <laughs> well, that Canute boy was actually king of England in 1016. So I suppose we were spared that. But yes, the United Ireland was gone. And then because we returned to anarchy, we were in no fit state to resist when the Normans came calling um, a century later. And indeed, Leinster's habit of um, conspiring with the enemy, as they had at um, Clontarf, was again what let let them in. You know, it was um, it was a Leinster king that actually invited the Normans, you might recall, to uh, to invade us. Invited them, yes, yeah, just purely like because of his own personal grudges. Um, so that short-sightedness continued. And then, actually, one final interesting thing is that surnames date from then. I mean, Brian was Brian Brew, and. Um, it was, it's from him that the O'Briens come. I mean, yeah. his sons became O'Briens and across the board, the whole concept of surnames only dates from then that to the, the spiritual founder of each clan from then. Okay, I kind of feel like I want to be an O'Brien now. I don't know about you, but uh, unfortunately only by deed poll. Um, what a life he lived, and I suppose uh, to live to 73 back then was doing well, and who knows, might have got a few more years if it hadn't been for that battle axe. Uh, that is the conclusion of the uh, life and times of Brian Baru. Uh, Colm Liddy is the uh, local historian and author. Well told as ever, Colm. Thank you very much. Thank you indeed. And we look forward to speaking to you again soon. No, no shout-outs for Mary Jo Duffy today. Looks like you're off. That's right, I'm off today, you know, but I'll be back there again next Monday if anybody <laughs> back needs a prescription <laughs> he, he, he's the man to go to if you're going into the pharmacy Colm thank you very much I will chat to you again soon uh, uh, Colm Liddy there with us for our history slot